0: I thought was G'day, and welcome to another Green and Gold Rugby podcast. Uh, with Matt Rowley. We're sponsored, as usual, by strike.com.au. Get yourself a cradle for your phone to put in your car. Use green and gold rugby as your safe word to get yourself a discount. Um... Today I'm joined by a new guest, a guest we haven't had before, a guy that I think we're going to have plenty to wang on with. He writes at a couple of other uh, online rugby destinations in Australia whose names shall, I, I can't possibly mention, um, but I'm pretty sure if you're, you're, if you're into rugby in Australia, I'm sure you've come across them. Um, uh, Brett McKay, mate, how are you? I'm really well, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, good to have you on. We've tried this a few times and we the have. Schedules just have not worked out.
1: Planets haven't quite aligned, um, yeah. and 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 my rugby media gun for higher status has often uh, thwarted things as well. So, uh, <laughs> but
0: but good good to be involved finally. Yeah, and because you're also, I should say, you're a bit of a podcast celebrity now. You got your own podcast. Um, well, what, yeah, one?
1: podcast celebrity among uh, among family and friends. Um, yeah, the, the cheap seats podcast yeah. um, is uh, a weekly thing that I'm I'm doing with um, a colleague of mine, Ryan O'Connell. We tend to wang on about several different sports and a bit of rugby in there as well and um, and of course we've just put that on into hiatus until the, yeah. <laughs> until the Ashes of Cricket starts but yeah. Uh, yeah you can get us um, on SoundCloud and iTunes and, and yeah it's going well good fun good
0: well actually I think that's good because um, I know we've had a few guys it's, and it's, it was touching to hear there are at least four people who reg- regularly listen to this podcast because I think I've had at least, <laughs> at least four people say guys what's going on you know we've actually had a win no podcast um, and so here you go you've got And especially when we get into cricket season, we probably won't be podcasting for at least have a bit of a break then. So um, there you go. You've got somewhere to go, the cheap seats, um, to get get your ears full of stuff. I should say, (laughs) while we're talking about why there was no podcast, we did try and podcast last week. So I actually had, uh, there were three of us lined up, um, and plus we had a guest, and just the internet wouldn't let us. Uh, So that kind of, the gremlins stopped all of that, which was a real pain. And then this week, uh, I've just been flat out like a lizard drinking, actually doing real work. That can feed my wife and kids. So um, it's one of those things. Sometimes, uh, in, sometimes life gets in the way of these, unfortunately. Sometimes bills need to be paid. Don't they, mate? God damn them. These people, <laughs> these people who want to be paid in money rather than fame or glory or pro- um...
1: profile is the one I
0: keep. I keep hearing. Yeah. We,
1: we, we can't. We can't pay you to be good for your profile. Oh dear. Have I'm... you ever tried to buy milk and bread with profile?
0: <laughs> Well, yeah, or, or um, McLaren Vale beer. That's the other thing that we can offer people at the moment. We can't I, I,
1: can, I can certainly be paid in McLaren Vale beer for what it's worth.
0: Okay, what about your landlord? Will he take that? Um, I've been, I'm still working on that. Uh, yeah, yeah, let me work on that. Okay, good one. All right, so look, let's get into the rugby. Um, now, God, you have to dust it off in your mind now, but um, only you know a couple of weekends ago, Australia completely destroyed Argentina, 54-15. I think going into that match a bunch of us were kind of chewing our nails going oh dear this could go really wrong uh and if it did i mean what the consequences could have been who knows um but as it is we turned it turned it around seven try route uh and absolutely destroyed them uh mate what was your take on the game
1: it's a it was a really funny feeling wasn't it mate? it was there was a real there was a real genuine nervous anxiety around it and and that would have been evident on 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 gagger it was definitely evident on the the various different outlets that I'm involved with but even in the general media reporting um, you know there was a a very understated tone about everything going into the game um, you know in theory you know the wallabies probably should have been too good, and, and probably should have been written up as such. But yet they went into the game as um, as, as outsiders, and about two dollar twenty outsiders, even from memory. Um, oh. And and so then it was there was almost this element of you know we get get to kick off and thinking, oh all you know how's this going to go, and then suddenly they're up by you know whatever it was twenty odd points in, in not too much time at all, and we're yeah. thinking, hang on a minute, <laughs> what's going on here?
0: Yeah, yeah. My, so, my son, yeah. Didn't, my son didn't know what he was watching. Um, yeah, you know, in his living memory, the Wallabies <laughs> score one try a game. Uh, if we're lucky, as yeah. as everyone's pointed out, though, what does this mean for our coming games? How long is it going to be until we score another try? If we're going to keep our average uh, one try average going, so that's a bit of a worry. But- yeah,
1: yeah, and this and this is the sort of the, the the thing that I mentioned in the in the aftermath. Do we, um. you know, how do, how do we rate this? We've Wallaby fans have been notorious in the last couple of years for, for absolutely hanging our hats and onto, on, onto wins like this. And, and the, the Tri-Nations decider in, in 2011 is a classic example. We yeah. knocked over New Zealand in Brisbane, hold up the cup, and new beauty, we're going to, to the Rugby World Cup, and we're going to win this thing. Mm-hmm. And that didn't go so well, did it? So, you know, how do we judge Rosario? Was it really as good as it looked or is it sort of you know the calm before the storm again or yeah. I, I don't know it was it was good on the night and it was good and the good in the day a few days afterwards but now that we're a little bit close to the all blacks it's maybe the reality' coming through
0: yeah it's interesting so we can probably break the game down to its constituents parts in a minute but I think what it said to me you know scoring those seven tries and seeing us play in a way that we hadn't played since 2011. Yeah. Kind of brought back to me the damage that the strategies that were put in place in 2011 have made for Australian rugby, um, and you know it's got you know everyone's had a go on the thrash Robbie Deans. Uh, Uh, kind of fairground ride so it's a bit tiresome doing it again but I think what people forget is you know we did have a team that was starting to gel and you know my son uh, we started he turned on uh, the telly the other day and they were having a replay of of the 2010 South African match um, where both teams scored four tries or something like that we ended up losing that one but hmm. um, he was just, like, blown away. You know, it was like, wow, what's this game that the Wallabies are playing? You know, had to, And I had to break it to him, that actually it happened three years ago. Um, and the, poor, the poor kid's face, you should have seen him. But anyway, you forget that that team yeah. under Robbie Deans was doing it. So it's not like it couldn't have happened under Robbie Deans, but it was the strategy they chose for whatever reason going to 2011 and which they then didn't give up since then, which I think showed a lack of confidence or a misjudgment in world rugby and the, and, the, and the trends that were going on. And I think what you have seen, though, in, in this match, and you can't read the bits that I kind of say, one half of me says, no, you can't read too much in because the defence was still sucked and was uh, appalling. Yeah. Yeah, but on, but it, eh? yeah. But on the other side, you know, wow, we really started to see some forms of attack that we hadn't seen, you know, for a good three years, and I think what it it brought back those memories of, oh wow, you know, we can play like that, and that made me think that look, even though you know we'll talk about the 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 game in Dunedin in uh, in in a little while, but um, you know, it, it makes me think, yeah, look, you know, I'm not jumping up and down about our prospects there, so I don't want to say it's that like Rosario was a turnaround, but it to me it feels like a data point in the right direction. I mean, what was your take on it?
1: Yeah, no, I think you've pretty well nailed it there, mate. There's, mm. there's still, if you if you really want to get down to the weeds, there's still a lot of things that um that that need a lot of work. The scrum early on was in a world of trouble. Um, yeah. and 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 uh, slipper went off with a yellow card there, what 15 minutes in, and 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 somehow they they managed to get a tight head out of that. And from that point, the scrum sort of seemed to. I don't know, just, just right write itself. Um, and, and I know Ben Robinson played a, played a bit of a role in that when he came came on properly in the second half. But there's still a lot of issues there with the scrum, um, the defensive alignment, as, as you mentioned, particularly in um, not so much straight up, you know, one on one, you know, at first phase, but it's the realignment after subsequent phases. There's still massive issues there, um, and and again, that came to light in um, in Argentina's first try when 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 Bosch went through. A couple of uh, a couple of lazy forwards before he, well, he didn't even sidestep forlau, did he? He just sort of slightly changed course a little bit and, yeah. and went over untouched. So, yeah. um, you know, there's there's all that sort of thing there. Um, you know, there there was good impact off the bench, but then how much of that is because it was you know fifteen points up at that stage and 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 you know the game was essentially done. It's it's like you say, it is really hard to 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 put a handle on it, but you're right. There's there is still a lot to like as well. Um, yeah. yeah, and some of those tries were, were really well done. Genier and Cooper straight away are, come to mind because they're they're running more. They're, mm. they're playing a lot flatter. Um, Genie is taking those those couple of steps, engaging the couple, first couple of um, defenders off the ruck. So so straight away that's bringing you know, bringing more defenders into play. That gives Cooper more room to run. He's running and passing a lot flatter, which meant that. Kurudrani and, and Lula Fano, Ashley Cooper and those guys um, were getting across the game line, you know, by default almost because they, they were taking the ball in front of the defenders. So mm-hmm. um, the use of Falau and Tamani as inside runners was was really good. That was really impressive. And, and, and I think that's why a lot of people sort of – and I certainly thought this, it was probably Cooper's best game um, maybe since his knee reconstruction. Um, yeah. Is that your sort of – Thoughts on that as well?
0: Yeah, and no, I think so. I mean, it's uh, it's con- gone down in Green and Gold rugby folklore about my rating him at two <laughs> the, the game before, um, and how much he came on. I think a lot of people were baying that yeah. I was going to do the the ratings again. But um, yeah, I I thought he played uh, so much better. Um, yeah. I did a little bit of video analysis, and I think one of the things that he's doing better is is actually what he's not doing, um, which is you know there was a couple of times there where where characteristically, you know, there wasn't anything on. And so I think in the past, what he would have tried was something crazy to make something happen. Um, you know, the little grubber, the chip kick, the crazy offload, um, or, and this is what I think a lot of us kind of suspect, you know, just get the ball away from him, get the ball away from him, um, so that he, he's, you know, to so say that he's not in contact with the ball. And there was at least a couple of times where you could see that going through his mind. He said, no, nah, I'll just take it to ground and let the ball yeah, recycle. Yeah. And and I thought that made a massive you know, massive difference because it just takes out, you know, those little errors and brain farts or low percentage plays, which detract from everything else he does. Because at Test Match Rugby, you know, you can't, against these teams where which are stacked full of, you know, class players, and you can't have those little stuff-ups, you know, because they, they turn games. And by him cutting that out, I thought that was great. Together with what you were saying, he, he went more... Um, you know, more vertically rather than that, yeah. than I've seen him go here in a long time. Agree with you on Wilgenia. I think that he, um, actually it was, for me, it was his speed of clearance that was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, um, I, yeah. I know what you say, he, he, and his decision-making. Either he was going to run at them and take them on, or he was going to clear it without delay. And the massive difference that that made um, yeah. w- was really good. Um, just, I mean, and I guess, I think with, between Falau and Tamani, I think they've also managed to refine the, kind of, the Digby Option, you
1: know. I was I was going to mention that there was there was a lot of um, there was a lot of Yuani and a lot of James O'Connor too in the way the way Cooper brought them in Um, and 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 O'Connor both coming in off the left wing, of course, as well. So there was a familiarity about that for 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 Cooper Um, and and so Cooper and Tamani obviously spent, spent particularly those two had obviously spent a lot of time working on that in the week leading up to the game because. You know, wherever Cooper went, Tamani was never too far away from him. So he was, you know, he was, he was just always sort of trailing around there on his inside hip, and and it was good to see Tamani made some, um, you know, on his game alone. It'd be a, it's a real confidence booster because his previous couple of games, um, I'm sure you guys saw the the the, the lovely phrase "hands for like feet for hands" yeah. coming up because he he had a couple of horrid games there where he you know, couldn't catch a cold, but he made that like to to pick up, swoop on that ball and run diagonally across the field. To to score score one of those last tries was that's a massive confidence booster for him and mm. um, you know and of course he's bloody injured for this week too so <laughs> yeah re- really good signs like um you talked about Guinea's clearance you can go back from that the the support support runners then turning themselves into into clear outs um in in the rucks was a lot better as well there was a there was a lot better attacking intensity at the breakdown mm. um and 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 Fardy straight away comes up there he was just brilliant superb game from him Um, Mm. and and so Guinea was getting his service was better because he was getting quick ball and, and you know we saw the we saw the benefits straight away.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I thought all that was excellent. And I know you and I had actually had a discussion um, oh, a couple of weeks back about mm. how really the Wallabies just need that, you know, they're like a cricketer out of form and they just needed that one, yeah. end, you know, to kind yeah. of to get their confidence back. And I think, you know, obviously not playing South Africa or New Zealand did give them a little bit of space yep. um, where they're able to do, a you know, it's, you know, Argentina is good, but they're ranked 10th, they're ranked 10th in the world. They're not first or second. Um, and, you know, the All Blacks, a lot of people are saying this is the all best All Black team ever. South Africa, I I can't remember a better looking South African team. Um even with some of the young guys they've got, I've not seen a South African team that can attack like this um for, for quite a while and, yeah. and, and do it consistently. And everyone's talked about the great test that they had on that same weekend, which was an absolute belter. Um you know, so I I think this game that we had against Argentina, yeah, you can't say, well, it's like, you know, it's not like beating South Africa or or New Zealand, but it was what we needed. We just needed that little bit of space. It was still a tough test. Who knows what might've happened, you know, once that yellow card happened, if, uh, you know, Robbo hadn't kind of squared that scrum up a little bit, just enough, and then hadn't made that turnover. Who knows what would have, we would have been back in that mental place that we seem to fall into, Um, you know, that started happening since that 2007 World Cup, but it didn't, and they turned it around and it's great. So let's just, I mean, like I say, I, I, not sure we're going to see, um, you know, a big shock upset in uh, Dunedin, but I think this is in the right direction.
1: Yeah, no, I'd have to agree with that, mate. I I, I finished up my summary summary articles um, after that game, saying that that once again, and it's a line that I've used a lot in the last few years. Once again, the Wallabies aren't as good as their last game, but they're as good as their next game, and mm-hmm. so the the proof of the the Rosario pudding, if you like, is going to be what comes in the shed in Dunedin. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if it if it doesn't convert into that same sort of breakdown intensity, um, that same sort of use of support runners, both as uh, you know, both in terms of the back rowers and the wingers, and like coming in looking for work. If if what we go back to is that same lacklustre, you know, passive resistance type thing that we saw against the, the All Blacks and the, and the box early on, then then yeah, Rosario is just a blip on the radar and we are back to square one so uh, you know it's it's all about now how they turn up on on Saturday evening mm. and um, and yeah it's yeah hopefully the good signs that we really want Rosario to be um, are, are there and it goes from that.
0: Mm. So the, I mean I think everyone's talked about and we've mentioned these names already and um, in, the, in this podcast, even, you know, uh, Fardy had a fantastic game. Yep. Falau with a hat trick. At, um, Ashley Cooper had a good game. Tamani had his best game so far. You know, there's a whole bunch of people. Robinson came on with an amazing cameo. The guy that kind of came on and um, actually I was at the rugby club, um, the Sydney Rugby Club for the Rugby uh, Business Network meeting on Monday. And mm-hmm. uh, we had uh, – Dan Vickerman was talking there. But I was ended up having a chat. I mean, anyone who's in Sydney uh, and hasn't heard about this – I think it's the second Monday of every month uh, at the Sydney Rugby Club, uh, about 5.36 o'clock, they get a speaker. Um, And uh, this week it was – and it's free. So, you know, just come along and and listen to some rugby great. It was Dan Vickerman this week. Um, And Dan Vickerman, I don't know if you've – have you ever met him? um a long time ago um
1: yeah. a long in fact like when he was at the brumbies a long time ago so, okay, right. so, so essentially no
0: <laughs> well he was i mean he was the most genuinely humble guy i think yeah. i've ever seen speak um i may and, and obviously a bright guy uh but he also you know anyway some of the stories he told were, were, were excellent but anyway he was there but at this uh at, at this uh Kind of meeting. Uh, Pat McCutcheon was there, and we had a chat with yep. him um, afterwards. The Waratahs club captain, and we were just talking about things. And one of the things that kind of came up in discussion, maybe unsurprisingly, because he's a Waratah as well, but it was um, Bernard Foley. Yeah. And it's it struck it struck me how every time someone's offered you know him you know an opportunity, he's taken it. So you know with check at the Waratahs at the beginning of the season, you were like, oh, this is some kind of seven specialist. What can he actually do? Maybe he'll do some cameos from 15, but we've all seen that go wrong. Mm. Um, that looked great. Then he got thrust into 10 and just got better with every game throughout mm. the season. And then you say, ah, oh, what's it going to look like at international level? And, okay, I realize it was the, the end of a game where they ended up winning 54-15. But, you know, if you're the coach, you're sitting there going, well, hang on, I gave him, you know, five, ten minutes, and look what he, you know, yeah. he did. not minutes, in fact. Yeah, yeah he, didn't, he didn't put a foot wrong.
1: No, know, in, no, and
0: and in fact, you know, um, you know, made a nice little try, some great passes, some nice stuff. On, I just think it's going to be. I think that's one of the things you measure people by is if each time you give them an opportunity and they, and they just keep grabbing it, how do you, you know, how do you not keep feeding him? Um, you know, see how far he can go.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and I think um, I think Foley. Will be a um, a real surprise packet, I think, come the end of year two. I, I, I can I can really see them coming back from Europe with with Foley, um, you know, really being a major part in any success that they have. Um, he's because he um, because he has got that sevens experience, if you like, and so he's, he's just got that natural, um, you know, that, that natural want to attack, and that's and that's fantastic. And so a lot of that that last try that he scored, um, you know, comes off the fact that he doesn't mind throwing the ball. Wide and let's see what we can what we can do. And yes, it was you know the end of the game and yeah. the intensity dropped out of it a lot. But they still had to create that try from ninety meters out. So yeah. you know it still took a fair bit of skill to to find the space uh, and then then support it to be able to get that. So yeah. uh, so you're, I absolutely agree with you on on Foley. I, I actually thought you were going to talk about Ben McCalman um, when you yeah, started talking about that impact uh, yeah. bench because and, and and perhaps that was the maybe even the best sign coming out of Rosario was that. All the guys on the bench, and you can throw Robinson and, and Tamani and, um, uh, and obviously Foley and Nick White had a pretty decent game when he came on too. Wow. Toward the end, there was a genuine impact coming in off the bench, um, and so for the first time in a long time, certainly, certainly, probably since the Lions series, you could actually see the team lifting um, each time a sub came on. There was just something new coming into the game, so um, you know, and some of those guys have been rewarded. Um, going to this weekend Me and McCalman's obviously starting and we'll get on to that but mm. um, yeah look I completely agree with all that mm. so it's, mate, it's look- always good to see always good to see the, the guys that are doing the hard work um, and I guess I am particularly thinking about McCalman um, you know getting the rewards that they probably deserve
0: well mate look let's just keep let's keep the flow going and let's talk about this weekend uh, yes the, the, the teams are out first of yes. all first of all the all blacks what's your what's your take on the team
1: look I don't, I don't think there's any um, I don't think there's any Real shocks. The, I mean, there's a there's a slight surprise for me that Jeremy Thrush has been named at lock and mm-hmm. and Brodie on the bench. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't quite see that one coming. Um, Owen Franks was out. We, we knew that. Um, so Charlie Foulmer is in at tight head. Um, Milama's back at um, back at hooker. Otherwise, it's a very you know it's a pretty garden variety. Looking All Blacks type team. Um, ben Smith moved into outside centre as is expected. Corey Jones back on the wing. Um, Dane Coles is the hooker. Ben Franks is back at um, on the bench as reserve prop. Um, and you've got Tom Taylor back on the bench as well with with Bowden Barrett. So I don't think there's a lot of surprises there. Um, you know, I, I think that's pretty well what we've got. I think the guys like I think they're always going to hold Carter back. I know there was some talk that he might have been all right, but they're always going to hold him back. Um, Andrew Hoare, I am sure they're putting on ice until the, for the for the end of the year. Um, Conrad Smith is uh, putting his feet up now. He's he's walking around in thongs with beer in his hand for the next six months. So, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, look, I don't think there was
0: any any great surprise there, really. Mm. So, tell me more about Jeremy Thrush. I just, I mean, I I don't know a lot about him.
1: Um, Hurricanes Lock, um, you've, I, he's been going pretty well in the ITM Cup of, of late, um, and that's for a team who completely escapes me right at this point in time. I want to say Wellington, but I'm sure that'll be wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he, he's, he's been going all right. I mean, he's been around Super Rugby Traps for, for, for a good few seasons now. He's always been there or thereabouts, but the last sort of this year, last year, he's come into um, all back contention a bit. Um I think he started on a started off the bench in the in, in the June test against France and, and obviously did um did did pretty well and, and has built himself up to be pretty you know, a a pretty well, a pretty good performing sort of a lock. So I don't know how much of him starting and Ritalic coming off the bench is about maybe about preservation for Ritalic for and or how much of it is good reward for, for Thrush's ITM form. Um okay. there's
0: probably a bit of both in that. So, the, yeah, the, the Ben Smith one is, is, is quite interesting. I heard a quote from Hansen saying that he thinks they're, they're quite similar sorts of players. Um, I mean, Ben Smith, for me, has been the player of, the well, was the play of the rugby championship. He yeah. was absolutely phenomenal. Um, I think he ended up scoring like half their tries or something, didn't he? Um, he, he
1: he at one point had more tries himself than the Wallabies did. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm not sure how am not sure what Rosario has done for, done for that, but he yeah. he was certainly leading that. I mean, you can take it back further than that for 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 ESPN Scrum. Um, we we had Ben Smith in the team of the year, and and we didn't name a player of the year, but he would have gone very very close to that because he mm. was he was he just finished the the Highlanders had a shocking season, realistically, but mm-hmm. he finished that season so well, and he was he was so often the shining light in in their right. team. So he's just a remarkable footballer. He's just one of these um, these guys that seems to have so much time on his hands. And yes. um, you know, some of the tries that he scores, like uh, yeah, he gets a few where it's he's in the right place at the right time. But some of the tries he scores, he's he's still having to beat three and four blokes, and mm-hmm. you know, get get thirty meters like he did at Ellis Park. It's He's just a phenomenal footballer. Mm. A big change, a big The big challenge now is going to be um, how he defends in the thirteen channel, because yeah. um, you know that's a that's a different beast than defending on the wing and defending at fullback. So mm. it's. I hadn't heard Hanson's quote saying that that. Ben and Conrad are similar players. Um, I, I honestly think Conrad Smith is one of the most underrated international rugby players on, on the planet. I really do. So, nah.
0: well, for, his ability, for his ability to be on the wrong place in every breakdown that he's ever been to uh, alone, <laughs> I think. He's one of the serial offenders. Um, you know, with, you, you, I, as I say that, you can probably see in your mind's eye as well the picture of him with his hands up. As if, oh, I'm sorry. Am I in the wrong place? Yeah, yeah. Oh, is that me? You're talking. Oh, sorry. I thought you meant Richie. Yeah, uh, No, he's one, and he's, <laughs> he's one of he's one of they more pan- penalised as well. But you know that that I think what he's saying there, I think what Hanson was saying, you know, is he's, he's a smart footballer. Um, yeah. And, you know, yeah. I think he's a lawyer by profession. But I think, and and I don't know, I don't know if, if Ben Smith's a doctor or a lawyer. That's not the point, I guess. But it's just that it's not just. Smith is not just his physical attributes, like his fantastic step, his gas, you know, all, all that sort of stuff. But he, I think, what you're alluding to is he seems to be a, a smart footballer as well. He knows, yeah, you know, you know, and he can see and he can see a game, he can read a game and, and a situation, and he knows where to kind of put himself. Um, but so that's the, the the All Blacks as usual, you know, not seeing many chinks in that armor. Uh, the Wallabies, we've had a few changes this week, right?
1: Yeah, a few changes. Um, again, I don't think there's too many unexpected changes. There. We knew that Scott Fardy was out. We knew that Joe Tamani was going to be out. Um, so, so we knew there was going to be some changes there. Um, so perhaps this, there might be a slight surprise that Ben Robbo isn't starting. So they've gone with Slipper and Alexander again. Um, Rob Simmons starts again at lock. Ben Mullen moves from eight to, to blindside. Ben McCalman comes in off the bench to start at number eight. And I think that's a good reward. I think he's been, been playing really well. Um, there'll be... There'll be a lot of people that will be happy to see Ben Moen at at um, at Blindside, and and whilst I'm not unhappy about it, I'm I wasn't in the I wasn't in the camp that was saying he has to play six because I think Scott Fardy has been one of the Wallabies' best players for the last month or so, and I honestly thought that moving Moen to six to accommodate someone else at, at number eight to cover that um, infallibility, if you like, was was actually weakening a strength that, uh, of Fardy at Blindside, so. So you know, it's a bit of a force change there. Um, Genia Cooper, Peter Beetham comes in to the left wing. He'll be a, he'll be on Debu. Um, Matt Tamua at inside centre, um, and Kurudrani Ashley Cooper for Lau. So again, I don't think there's a lot of surprise there. Matt Tamua did pretty well at inside centre in Rosario in, in the second half, so that's a pretty reasonable reward. Um, on the bench, uh, what do we got there? Dave Dennis comes in. Mikey Mike Harris comes in um, as well and, and Bernard Foley's there still so okay uh, yeah no real surprises and um, I notice there's an asterisk here in the media release that I'm reading off um, it'll be Will Genney's
0: 50th test oh okay well I mean I know that uh, the inclusion of Dave Dennett even on the bench will have um the Green and Gold Rugby comments going, too many Waratahs. I was, I was just going to say,
1: I, I'd be um, re- reinforcing your, uh, your service. <laughs> Especially
0: if you get some game time. I could yeah. totally agree with you with the whole farty discussion, uh, and that could well be why that wasn't happening, I think. He was just playing so yeah. well. Uh, I have a bit of a... Th- so I've been thinking about this as well, which is this whole front row thing, where I think it's undeniable that our best scrummaging front row is on the bench. Uh, well, the props, anyway. Um yeah. Uh yeah. so well look you, you look at the last two matches and you know when when the when the reserves come on the scrums get better. Uh, I don't you know it's, I'm not talking rocket science. The thing that I think so and I can't believe that you we'd be alone in looking at that but I wonder if there's sort of like a count so most people would say so why aren't we starting with them? And I just wonder if there's a little bit of strategy in here. Which is, if you, um, if you kind of start with these guys and then sub them out, uh, you've, you've, you've kind of got, well, it's at the wrong time of the game and, and, and you kind of got nowhere to go. Or if they get injured or they have to come off or whatever. And I wonder if there's this thing of, so for example, in Rosario, the way it played out. So, you know, Slipper gets pinged, but then the guy that you and and, so, and you're testing out to see where you are. But then the guy that you bring in is like Robbo, and he kind of writes. And he kind of writes the ship. And the other thing is, I think obviously, you know, Slipper and Alexander, are those guys kind of props at those higher work, higher work rates. So you know, at the beginning of the game, you want that. I mean, you know, I don't know if I'm, I've got a conspiracy theory going here, but there's
1: there's almost there's almost an element of of um of starting with your impact players. Does mm. that make sense? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah there's the, there's that. It's, it's it's sort of well accepted that you, you have a your ideal impact player you bring off the bench for the last 30 minutes 20 30 or 20 minutes or whatever it is and, and and you just get something else there's a bit of a train of thought that maybe you should actually start with those players and go with the shock and awe tactics I suppose if you like and, yeah. and, and really try and you know make the mark early on and then bring on your starting team so to speak and, and, and close the game out yeah. I'm, I'm not completely convinced about that. As a, as a plan, and we probably haven't really seen it enough to be able to make make a judgment about it. It's, I'm, I've been um, the the prop situation is interesting. Um, if you, if, you go, if we go back to Super Rugby, the Brumbies actually had a pretty pretty solid scrum this year, um, and then you get into international level, and a large chunk of the Brumbies front row all of a sudden struggling. So, how much of that is on the individual, and how much of that then becomes about the scrum in general, and so something that I've been paying a bit of close attention to this year, particularly, has been the scrum engagement height of the locks, um, particularly, and mm-hmm. of we're often finding that um, that Simmons and Hall and and Tamani as well. Um, I, I just think they're engaging way too high. Yeah, um, when, when you see them when you see them packing in, they they the back of their heads more often than not is actually above the the, the prop in front of them's ass. So. Yeah, you know, I, I just wonder how much shove they're getting from behind, and so, yeah, you know, yeah, you know, I, I, I understand all the criticisms of, of of Ben Alexander's game as a as a tight head, but I just wonder how much of that, you know, is is of his own doing, and 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 you might have noticed as well that Horwell and Simmons have both spent time at tight head lock, if that makes if that makes sense. So there's and and, and as has Tamani, so there's actually been a bit of chopping and changing in the combinations behind them. So, mm. you know, I I I, I, don't, I actually don't know if they've worked out what their number one tight five is yet. Mm -hmm. I think they're actually still experimenting there to try and work it out. And so it does seem funny that theoretically our best scrummaging props are on the bench. Mm. But,
0: yeah, like I said, I honestly don't know they've worked out what the best tight five is yet. Mm. I mean, I don't know if I can fully articulate it, but I guess it's, you know, if you're going to find yourself in that situation where a prop is getting serially penalised, which can happen to Ben Alexander, and and now even with James Slipper, right, that happened last week, and, yeah. you, and what you need to be able to do is, you know, in that game, you're never going to convince the ref that that prop's now getting it right. Like the, the ref the refs said, all right, you're, it's, you know, you're the problem in this scrum and you're going to keep getting penalized until I send you off. Uh, and you know, We've seen that happen and, and it's, you know, it, it's happened with Ben Alexander for a while now. Yeah. And I just wonder if there's a thing of saying, well, by having a couple of good guys on the bench, you know, we've got someone to swap out. Yeah. And, and, and the longer we can keep him on and keep his work rate going... Because I think a lot of what the Wallabies are doing at the moment, so a lot of the defensive problems seem to come from the fact that we, we, we are dropping a lot of guys back, especially on sort of, uh, uh, you know, kick chase. Um, yeah. We, we're dropping, you know, most teams will kind of, will maybe drop, you know, three, you know, maybe four if they're going hard at it back. And we and there were situations, there were occasions last week we were dropping back five. Yeah. And that yeah. leaves a lot of space in the middle of the park. And so, you know, you, you, you can't have a heavy... Yeah, uh, you know, heavy props. You know, will make big gaps. Uh, you need some guys in there who are quite mobile, and and, yeah, and you know, James James Flip is excellent in in that yeah. situ- in that situation. So, I mean, I think there's I I guess where mm-hmm. my conspiracy theory is coming from is that it sort of says, well, look, the longer you can keep those. You know, hard-working, you know, high work-rate props out there who are also hitting those breakdowns, speeding up the ball and doing everything else, the better. The downside is we kind of know they're more likely to become a target in the scrum. But as yeah. soon as that starts becoming a problem, at least I've got a good guy off the bench I can swap him out for and break the, the referee's train of thought, which is, you know, this is the prop whose who's, whose fault this all is. So I don't know. That that's my that's what I'm working to. But maybe it's just that they're sitting there going, you know. Yeah, well, maybe they just disagree with me on, on who's the better, yeah, who's working better as a prop.
1: Yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, there's there's probably an element of truth in that, and and mm. I suppose in, in that front, it'll be interesting to see. Um, it'll be interesting to see how the All Blacks do whether they do genuinely attack um, mm. at, at scrum time in the first half. It, it it will be interesting to see how that how that works.
0: Well, I think, and so I did a little bit of video analysis last week, and it was looking at our defensive structure. And one of the things, and you're kind of going, "Geez, what's happening?" Because we're seeing holes, you know, open up, and yeah. also, Like you said, it's not in the first phase, but it's in, um, you know, subsequent phases. And there's a couple of, and a lot of people, for example, Joe Tamani has been ca- catching a lot of heat, saying, "Oh, he's yep. he's never positioned right." Well, if you if you relook at some of those misses, um, and it's the
1: bloke's inside him, isn't it? Exactly,
0: and even yeah. and quite often it's the guys even inside the defensive end who quite often yep. to Vita, Khuradrani, who, um, you know, is having to cover a a few people. So, and that's because, well, and so one of the things that then highlights that and makes it look really, really bad is because we're dropping our wingers quite a long way back and we're keeping them a long way back for quite a long time. And I think I've got a theory in there, which is, you know, why are we doing this? And also, why are we dropping five guys back um, you know as a potential counter for a, you know for a kick return, and I think I wonder if there 's a bit of strategy in there because we know we had link on the podcast a few weeks ago, and his big thing was look we 've been smashed in the territory game uh, you know we 've been trying to play ball in hand the whole time, everyone else, especially the all blacks, have just turned around and drilled it into quarters. yeah yeah um, and you know and we 're getting killed by that. And so I wonder if they've turned around and said, well, okay, so how do you how do you counter that? Well, one of the ways you counter that is you don't give them anywhere to drill it into, right? So, you know, you, you drop those wingers back. Close down the um, space. Exactly. And if you get into a kicking drill, you start dropping a lot of people back. So there's no obvious places um, to, to stick the ball. Obviously, you, you pay for that though, right? So you leave gaps somewhere else. But I wonder if that's the kind of the, the blend that they've, they've been doing. We've then been suckered though by the fact that people like, Uh, South Africa and even Argentina have said, oh, okay, we'll have a run. (laughs) (laughs) And and they've done done it quite well. So it'll be interesting to see if we, you know, this will be a fascinating little thing to watch on the weekend, I think, is to see, you know, just what happens here. Um, How much will the All Blacks, you know, kind of play for territory and be happy to just to let us have the ball? Uh, And how much will they look up, see some space and go ape? Unfortunately, you know, I think if they see that space, they could well exploit it. Um, So, mate, what's your feeling to, to... to, to wrap the Dunedin, Dunedin um, uh, kind of preview up, what's what's your gut? Um, oh,
1: it's a it's a it's a tough. One. I mean, we all hope, obviously we all hope the Wallop is going to win it. I'm I'm not sure where that's going to come from, mm. and and that's the that's the that's the bit that's sort of tough to swallow at the moment. I'm I'm not quite sure where the. The smart plays are going to come where the, where the chinks in the New Zealand armour are. Um, you know, like them, there might theoretically be a bit of a um, a bit of an opportunity made, perhaps in, in exploiting the relatively raw combinations between Ben Smith and Onu and Aaron Cruden. So there might be some some opportunities there in midfield. But you know, are the, are the Wallabies going to be smart enough to be able to do something about that? Um, mm. You know, but by the same token, then we've got to inside center who hasn't played 12 all year so um you know that in itself is is going to be interesting look i th- realistically i i think the all blacks are going to win it um and we're probably talking about 10 or 12 points but um if and, and i think i th- i honestly and it's a it's a funny sort of situation with wallaby supporters have now got ourselves into the into the um the, the point where we can where we can now justify the size of a loss like, <laughs> if, if you know what I mean like you know, we're, we're now thinking you know if we only lose by 10 or 12 points to the all blacks well maybe that's not so bad considering the year it's been if it's another 20 twenty five point loss well you know we're back to square one you know I'd, I'd love to see him win um, and and there's probably there, maybe there is an opportunity there because it is a, a dead rubber just you know just by, with the, the it'll all everyone's saying the right thing there's no such thing as dead dead rubbers in the low, but you know maybe new zealand have got a bit of a an eye on the end of year and you know maybe they, maybe there might be an opportunity there that they're thinking oh it's the wallabies again what are we oh. going to get so um it'll it'll be all very very interesting you know i'd the key the key point um the, the key time if you like for the, for the wallabies is going to be the the 10 or 15 or 20 minutes either side of half time. that's when the All Blacks score most of their points, and it's when the Wallabies concede most of their points. So, attitude in defence, um, in, intensity at the breakdown, commitment—the whole
0: lot—is going to be have to be there. It's going to have to be full noise for, for the eighty minutes. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, I think we are in that situation. Unfortunately, it hates to be I hate to have to say it that if we can, I think our win that I would and that I'm hoping for, um, that I'd like to see, and we, actually. I kind of well. My expectation is that we see that lift where we don't look like that hopeless rudder- rudderless team. Yeah. But that yep. you know, but we're at least competing. I think that's the thing, and that we start to see on the attack front. So if we go with another game where we have you know, you know zero or one try um, that we kind of get in the last five minutes, I'll be pissed. Uh, yeah. You know, if, if we're not making serious, you know, if we're not asking serious questions of them in attack. Um, I'll be really, really pissed off. And as we know, the All Blacks, if you start doing that in their half, they'll just start fouling you. So it might not necessarily all be through tries, but if we're not, you know, really getting that score, yeah. kicking over and putting pressure on them, you know, I'll be pissed off. And that's the sort of thing I'll be looking for. But if it's kind of rudderless and we don't know where we're going still, um, then, you know, that's not showing improvement Still, and that's what yeah. I, you know. That's what I'd like to see. I'd like to see that sort of confidence keep building, and we start to see. So, if Quade Cooper goes missing again, you know that for me is a real big step back. Or starts doing yep. crazy stuff. He's he's going to get booed. He's going to be looking at yeah, both anyway. team, yeah. Yeah. You know, and if we so if we see that sort of stuff, and you know, so we start seeing you know low probability stuff start to happen, and and go into headless chicken mode. I you know, that's the sort of thing that will start to peeve me. like I Likewise, the Fords. If um, you know if they're not contesting, like you say, you know, that'll be the same thing there. So it's those little bits of improvement across the different facets of the play. It might not add up to a win. I mean, even the uh, the box couldn't beat them at home uh, only a couple of weeks yeah. ago, but... If we at least see improvement, then I think that's what we realistically could pr- probably hope for there.
1: I, I think I think if we get if we get an eighty minute display that's somewhere between Rosario and the first half in Wellington, mm. I reckon we'll be pretty happy with that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think I think that'll be considered a, a pass mark.
0: Okay. So look, uh, there was another game, obviously, where Australia took on New Zealand at an international level, and actually looked really, really good uh, for the, in the first. Two minutes or three minutes, anyway. <laughs> I'm talking about the Gold Coast Sevens <laughs> last weekend. Uh, it was the first of the uh, sort of IRB HSBC International Sevens circuit, and it was up in the Gold Coast. Home team, they they were ropey, and you know, on the first on day one, I think they just they. Uh, uh, managed to get through the pool stage, uh, but then did really, really well. Played against South Africa in the in the semis, and geez, that game went on into what was it? A second period of extra time? Yeah,
1: dub, double extra time. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't see a lot of the pool games on, on mm. Saturday, I have to no. admit, but I, I certainly saw uh, certainly saw all the action on on Sunday afternoon and Sunday evening. And mm. um, that semi final against South Africa was. Um, Oh, brutal almost yes. it was it was it was a real um, you know there was there was injuries there was, there was a real carnage element to it um and and i think ultimately the injuries is probably what what crueled the the fluoro wallabies what do we call this seventh team cuz <laughs> <No, laughs> um, cuz really i mean they yeah. they they went in they went into the final with i think only a three or four man bench whereas new zealand had yeah. I think the full complement so yeah. um, in the end I think the um, you know fatigue factor set in and, and a lack of um, lack of fresh legs or, or fresher legs on the on the bench sort of came through and and obviously New Zealand are still a such a well-drilled team at every bloody level it seems yeah, yeah. <laughs> that um, you know I don't think I don't think it was an overly surprising um, final result but but I think there was some some really good like there was an re- unbelievably young team for for Australia. They have two or three blokes on debut, so mm. um, you know which which Lucas brother is the best. Have we worked that out yet? <laughs> th- three of them now have played Australian sevens, so yeah. um, you know, look good good signs there. What was interesting um, for me out of that was that I thought the crowds were pretty ordinary, um, mm. and 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 Billy P in the in the big office in, in St Leonard's has um, has apparently. Considering moving the sevens off the gold coast in in, in coming years and 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 that would be an interesting move obviously they'd they'd be trying to capitalize on on the population centers but if we you know the sevens the i think the sevens went went pretty well in adelaide because it was a you know because it was it was a a top class rugby um, carnival event if you like right. um, and so you know people traveled to adelaide. To make a bit of a weekend of it yeah. i think they were hoping the same thing might happen on the gold coast and perhaps it hasn't to the same extent i'm not sure that that would um, carry over if they moved to brisbane or sydney i i, I just i wonder about that I, I wonder whether that would be as positive a move as i think it might
0: well so i so i'm i'm really strongly in favor of that actually so because having, yeah, okay. having watched it i thought yeah i mean i i can see this as a product there's, there's so much to talk around sevens i mean i think the, the, the whole idea that this is the saviour of rugby, I think, is you've got to be careful with that because I think at the end of the day you've got it's a there's a slot in the calendar for one marquee event where everyone goes yeah that's my sevens thing right it, yeah. used, it used to be Hong Kong uh, now that the one now that that we're making one in Australia is great and, we, and it's a step forward uh, I I don't see that well I wouldn't personally and I don't see many people would say oh yeah I'm going to go to one of those I don't know once a week or once a month. You know, I think it's going yeah. to be, and, and it needs to be at an international level where you're playing, and that's only with the international Sevens circuit, that's only going to happen once a year. So, yeah. you know, I think first of all, we've got to be realistic about what Sevens offers. Um, but the second bit, yeah, I think it needs to be near a population centre for sure. I mean, you just got to get numbers in there uh, Yeah. just to generate some money, if nothing else. The other thing I understand is that where it's played on the Gold Coast isn't, it's not actually, it's not anywhere near the, like, the surf. So, no,
1: no, so skills yeah skill stadium which it's the it's the gold coast titans um home yeah. ground yeah it, it's at um rabina town yeah. centre and so rabina for for those that don't know the gold Coast real well Rabina is this massive big um massive big shopping center in actual fact but it's become a you know a satellite city in its own right and yeah. so it's actually what would it be fifteen twenty k's Inland, off the coast, it's yeah. it's on you know it's it's on the main Gold Coast Brisbane highway. It's on the train lines and all that sort of thing. So there's plenty of infrastructure around it. But mm. but yeah, if you're thinking yeah, let's go to the Gold Coast for the weekend and we'll stay on the you know we'll stay on the strip and all that and we'll walk down to the ground. Well, no, that's not going to happen. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I certainly agree with that. I think the if they're going to move it though, I I couldn't help but think that they'd be there might be a change in in the timing again. Um, mm. that particular weekend might work for Brisbane perhaps, but. But in Sydney, for example, it was the weekend after the NRL Grand Final. Um, you know, it was the it's the same weekend as the, the the Bathurst car races. So, you know, I wonder how much of that might be a, a factor if, if it went to Sydney. Um, it's a you know well, big you, big
0: questions for the corner office. Well, I tell you what uh, struck me is if people if you know if you think that this is going to be a format that's going to help people get into the game, you know why not Melbourne? You know, a similar thing to the Adelaide idea is that, you know, you're you're then putting in front of people who don't and find it hard to get into rugby, something that people, if the idea is, and I'm not 100% sold on this, although I can see that it's easier to understand and get into, because the other thing you get sucked into, you know, I don't think you're necessarily going there to watch, you know, an amazing complicated sport, you're going there because it's a carnival. You know, it's a two-day carnival yeah. of beer yeah. drinking and everything else, and then there's some, and and then you've got the international aspect to it. And for rugby purists, you know, it's 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 not great for slightly rugby interested and people who who aren't. It's fast. It's you know, it's all those things. So if that is your thinking, then I and. So if, there's two parts of it. One is you think it can get new people in. And the second thing is you think it might be able to turn some money. Well, then you've got to, the first, you know, if it's going to get new people in, put it somewhere where people aren't necessarily going to watch rugby. So Melbourne, I think. Yep. More, and now, I'm not saying, and I don't think also that you should make it permanent somewhere. Move it around. So, again, you want to get people yeah. in, you know, put it in different places where people can come to and those sorts of things. What, you know, if you want to make some money, if you can make it big enough, and people start bidding for it, Right so maybe you can get a revenue uh, stream even out of, that's probably getting ahead of ourselves a little bit but I, you know i think that's i think that's one of the things so you want to get some money going put it in there you want um and also you want some money into it then put it where they, where where people are going to be so for example you know people can just decide you know what the sevens is on around the corner and you've got yeah. a few million people who could potentially you know out of a base that could potentially turn up the other thing that i think is if you if you're serious about turning this thing in, into a money making thing but i think And I think this idea in itself shows why it can't work. If you really wanted to do that, what you would do is you would do anything you can to get other sports people involved. Big league names, AFL names. You know, if you really wanted to get people, and if you really think it's the sport that can access other people, why wouldn't you try? I mean, it it, it was one of the things that's worked in the past. I mean, actually, leagueies do really well in sevens, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, they do. do. and,
1: And in fact, I think... Did I did I hear right that um, uh, what's the what's the big league school on the Gold Coast um, won it won won the schoolboy sevens yes. again? Yes, indeed. In, in the lead up, yep, yep. uh, I Kibra I uh, Ke- Park. I'm thinking of yes, yeah. yeah. Um, please so, I mean, correct me if I'm if I'm wrong on that, yeah. please, listeners. <laughs> but
0: I mean, but I think now you can see that. You know that's that's from a marketing perspective, but I'm not sure how that would work or even play from the perspective yeah. of, of actually getting players into the you know getting you know God, how would you get people out of you know their contracts or you know in AFL? I, da, 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 I think, and I think th- that be idea.
1: I, I think that idea might work if it was a if it was an Australian tournament. Mm-hmm. You know, you maybe you could bring NRL and AFL players and in in on on you know guest type things and and. Because at that level you could you know there could be an element of um, you know fun and frivolity about the whole thing I, I think the fact that it's now all geared toward the IRB World Series and there's um, you know there's ranking points and all that sort of thing at play I, I think that makes it fairly difficult to do at an international level um, as, as for your placement you know, I don't mind the Melbourne idea I have to admit and and at that time of year maybe it's not a bad fit for Melbourne as well you could even if you did it right you could really cash in on the spring carnival crowd mm. um yeah with well, there, because there, there isn't really a lot of major sport in in melbourne at that at
0: this time of year so mm. yeah. yeah look that that could work my, my thing actually thinking about is i'd probably do sydney and sydney and brisbane in the next couple of years just get some bodies there you know yeah make it and and, and start turning it into something and once those people in sydney and brisbane are gone they'll go because i i have texts from people there saying oh matt you really need to come up um, and see this yeah, okay. You know, it's, it's great fun. Just a pity there's not enough people here. Yeah. And so I think, you know, if you can... So it's obviously... You know, and I, I was like, oh, that sounds all right. Um, although going to Rabina for the weekend with my family is probably not, um, you know, high on the list. So I oh, think if you yes. can get a bunch of bodies in there in Brisbane and then Sydney, and then the next year, you know, you take it down to Melbourne. And those people who've been along will think, yeah, a weekend down to Melbourne, I'll do that. And maybe you'll suck in a few Melbourne people as well. And you get a few, you know, you get 100,000 people along or something like that over the couple of days... You've got yourself something proper,
1: and may, maybe the thing might be to, um, you know, uh, I just I just think as soon as you start talking about Brisbane and Sydney, I, I think the it, it's just too easy to say oh here we go again we're we're you know, we're consolidating Australian rugby you know wow. we're not really growing the game we're contracting it so you know and and that's straight away what comes to mind when when Sydney comes up wow. you could you know, maybe Brisbane wouldn't be so bad. Maybe if, if you took it to Brisbane, you played it at Ballymore, which is, you know, where it used to be played or oh. back in the day. You know, I don't know, maybe somewhere like Ballymore could work. Uh, I, just, I just wonder, I just, you'd hate for it to, to go to, to Sydney. You'd hate for him to play it at Homebush or the, or the football stadium, something like that, oh. um, and see it half full. Um, yeah. But you know, I mean,
0: mate, where, where does the NRL play the grand final? And where does the yeah, where, where does AFL yeah. play the grand final? You don't, yeah. you know, they don't take it to the, you know, to to, to whoop whoop and say, hey, let's no, let's, true. let's put it out here, you, you know. If you've got a marquee event, you know, you, you nail it. Um, yeah, and yeah, like true, I say, true. you build it. I mean, yeah, you know, and if it works in Melbourne, I mean, maybe take it over to Perth after that. I mean, if yeah. you, you know. But by then you've got you know caravan. Anyway, look, I'm going to uh, I'm going to send this podcast to Bill Pulver. Then I'll uh, so there you go, mate. There's there's it, there's your strategic plan for Seven. He'd it, it, be listening anyway, I'm sure. Yeah, so there you go, Bill. Um, Sorted. Rewind and take notes. Yep. You've got Next problem. Um, <laughs> yes. Okay, let's, let's stay on the problems for Bill Pulver. <laughs> Pay up. So yeah. you know, in the news, it's interesting. And I'm kind of wondering who's been who's who's pushing this. Although it, it it sounds like there's, it's not necessarily a big battle. It's just going to be a case of how much. But in the news today is all about uh, the A R U board meeting up with Ruper next week, and on the table for discussion is pay cuts uh, for the Wallabies. Uh, the the bit that they seem to be throwing out there is the uh, the match fees, uh, which at the moment are 14k per match. So if you if you play in all of them, you can end end up earning up to 200k uh, on top of if you have a top up and on top of yeah. your uh, super rugby salary. Um, so and anyway <laughs> this seems to be being signalled uh, you know as far as something they want to look at the I know and then there's a quote in the same story and and I know I've I've actually met with Greg Harris CEO of Ripper a couple of times and then saw him speak at the at the rugby club at the rugby business um, network um, a couple of months ago. And he's the sort of guy I, I I mean, you know, he, he very much takes the idea. It, it's quite different from the days of Demo Dempsey um, when it was, you know, like kind of, I don't know, like a, like a union battle um, yeah. where, where it was, you know, it's, it's us against them and we just need to get as much as we can. I think, yeah. you know...
1: Or it's a walkout.
0: Exactly. Greg yeah. is very much more of the case of, geez... And I think everybody at the top level of rugby, which is, is worried at the moment, you know, because they're looking at those numbers and the, um, the numbers do not add up. And, and I don't think anyone can see how they're going to add up at the moment. Um, you know, you can cut as much as you want. And this is, and, and they've been doing that at, at the ARU. Um, mm. You know, they used to be on two floors there. They're down they're to back one floor. They're back onto one, yeah. yeah, yeah there's been redund- redundancies
1: all over the place as well. Yeah. So, so I mean, they've certainly trimmed trim things back at HQ, no, yeah. no question.
0: And they're slashing as much as they can. But even with those, and we, we had an idea of the sort of numbers they were talking about they're still not going to get them then it's not going to come close to the gap that they're talking about by 2015, which I think is going to be, you know, they're they're looking at, uh, you know, based on uh, sort of this, you know, what the expenses are or have been in the last couple of years based on what they think they're going to earn in that year, because it's low, remember, because it's a world cup year, Mm, mm. Um, you know, you're talking about a 10, $20 million gap. Um, So, you know, these sorts of savings are never going to get you there, but you know, you've, you've got to do what you can. So, With that as the background, it's kind of like I think uh, the uh, Greg talked about. You know, it's it's the pool is shrinking, and everyone's going to have to drink less. So I think he's kind of going with it. I guess it's a discussion of, but by how much?
1: You know, yeah. And and that's that's going to be the big question. If I've if I've read between the the tea leaves, right, um, it sounds like they might be heading towards a um, a performance based type thing for the match payments where you know there'll be a there'll be a a a a lean year this year mate yeah well that's (laughs) that's it yeah so there'll be you know there'll be a match fee and then there might be a winning bonus and 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 i think that's probably a um, a pragmatic way of doing it i I don't think we can ever get to this to this point where um you know it's a it's a it's a it's a really easy conclusion to, to to make, and it's the it's the um you know it's the the fist on the desk you know bugger them don't pay unless they win you know yeah. they're professional players they they spend a lot of time preparing for these games and all that so we can't be paying them nothing mm. um, you know regardless of, of how we, how how much they get flogged by but I think a performance based or or or, or a, a modest match fee and then a win bonus I don't think too many people are going to have trouble with that and even if to throw some numbers in the air even if it was a say say playing a test major 5000 bucks mm. if the win bonus was 10 i i think that's probably a better setup than 14000 win lose or draw mm-hmm. um, and to put to put 14000 in perspective i'm not even sure that the australian cricket team I, i'm not even sure the play, the, the test players make 14000 a test mm. It might be close, but I'm not. I'm not sure that they're that high yet. And, and obviously, Cricket Australia is making a hell of a lot more money than um, than the ARU Are each year. So um, that's a that's a classic case of a um, an arrangement that was negotiated and and, and started in prosperity.
0: Mm. Well, I think the thing that's going to be pretty interesting is, and, and as Greg Harris, if I was him, you know, might want to throw into the discussions is uh, maybe the board, the AIU Board, most of which were there at the time. Can uh, you know make us understand why you ended up paying out you know John O'Neill two point two million dollars last year? Yeah, <laughs> while, yeah, while while asking us, I mean, obviously that's not going to get anyone anywhere. Yeah. But you know, it's the same. A lot of the same guys from the on the board are sat there. Um, I think you got it. You know, that's that's a you got some tough. Tough questions to answer. So w- w- why we all thought that was a great idea. Um, there there hasn't
1: been a lot of turnover on the board, has there? I mean, I know you know I know George Gregan's resigned his spot in the last few months, but you know that's one in in how long. So um, yeah. yeah, and and you know listening to you before talking about the numbers not adding up and all that. The, the, the thing that came to my my mind straight away, um, you know about where where they're going to make the savings and all that is that you know we're still trying to make this whole national competition. This you know whether it's Super B or how we yeah, or whatever. Bill's plan is um you know ha- how do you make that work if if the numbers don't add up I, you know it's it's a it's a really interesting
0: situation yeah no oh. um so that's, that so anyway maybe not a solution there for your bill but uh just just giving you a heads up on a tough question that might be coming your way and then <laughs> final bit of news um you know is a bit of serious news there Eddie Jones uh, had a stroke overnight uh, yeah Hopefully it yeah. was it sounds like it's hard to know it's 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 termed like a minor one, so he had a headache, complained of a headache and then uh, went in and um, they had a look and yeah they said it uh, yeah it looks like it was a stroke um, so it sounds like they they caught it at the right time or, or or it maybe wasn't that serious but um yeah a bit of a shocker he's only fifty three
1: yeah yeah it is and and that's i mean you know that's that's the thing that you know I, I don't know that there's a that there's an age that' That stroke is, you know, c- comes comes more or less or anything like that. But, yeah. but I don't think 53 is, is where it's supposed to be. It's um, it, it does sound like it was uh, that they got it early and and from what I what I understand, what I've read, um, he was he was with the Japanese team staff at, at the time and they all went to, to hospital by taxi rather than having any ambulances called or anything like that. So, um, yeah, yeah I, th- I think it's been termed as as you know maybe the signs of a minor stroke. So, yeah. um, he was. Am I right in understanding they were they were inspecting some training grounds or something like that ahead of their game against the All Blacks and right. like just just come come back to I suppose the hotel or wherever they were and
0: yeah went went from there so yeah.
1: hopefully it's not too too major and and I suppose I mean depending on how bad it is it might knock him out of action for a few
0: months but yeah.
1: um yeah not not a real good sign and obviously um uh, best wishes to
0: for a speedy recovery yeah well I mean I say this based on the premise that it looks like he's going to he's, he's recovering there and it's all okay which is can you imagine the bollocking you must have been giving someone if, it, if it, you know to to, to induce that um, <laughs> yeah. he, he's given he's given some pretty severe ones over his time so yeah, yeah it, that you, been... you'd, you'd, you'd like to, you'd like
1: to think that might have been it but I, I suppose maybe the worrying things is that it? Just happened
0: anyway. So yeah, yeah. No, maybe too soon, but, you know. But anyway, Eddie, Eddie, Eddie's, Eddie's well known, I think, for his bollockings. Um, He is, indeed. Uh, he's a pretty volatile guy, but um, I think I think what it kind of shows is when you see that about a guy like that is you know he's been a controversial figure uh, in Australian rugby. Is that you know? But he's got a place in everyone's heart, has not he? I think um, he, he, at least I think we've always got a place for people who will speak their minds like that. And there's not many people yeah. in, in the media who do, and and he does
1: it was interesting last night. I, I I first saw it pop up on Twitter. Um, someone saying that that Eddie Jones had had a
0: had a stroke, and
1: and there was nothing more to it than that. And I sort of thought, oh, hang on, is this you know is there more to this or what? And then it just sort of slightly started being being picked up on, and then you know once I think it became accepted that you know something had definitely happened. You're right, there was a definite outpouring of of you know best wishes, and you know he was he was he, he was former Wallaby coach Eddie Jones again. He wasn't you know. South African advisor Eddie Jones, Japan coach Eddie Jones. It was you know former yeah. sacked Brumbies. You know there was there was a real positive light to it, and and you're right. I think um, you know despite the 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 um, you know legendary bollockings that he <laughs> that he might have handed out in his time, and 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 despite being known for calling a spade a bloody shovel, um, you know yeah, there's there's a genuine you know, feeling of, of, of best wishes about this.
0: Yeah, definitely. Oh, you know, all best wishes from all the Gaga crew to um, Eddie as well, uh, speedy recovery there. Um, so, mate, that's it for this week. Uh, thanks for coming on. Quite all right. Thanks for thanks for having me finally,
1: yeah. and and thanks for um thanks for all my planets and all our, all our planets, I should say, aligning.
0: Yeah, no, indeed. Well, we'll get you all, um along again, I think um a few times, and uh and and have a good Wang. Hopefully, it all goes well this weekend. Um, actually, I'll throw out just a shout out, which is that um for anybody in Sydney, uh, I actually to your comment now is ringing in my ear. Let's not be so Sydney focused. The the problem is, but anyone in Sydney, (laughs) yeah, this is where I live, so I'm sorry about that. But uh, yeah, so but anyone in Sydney or who is in Sydney this weekend, uh, they are showing the Bledisloe on HD at the Sydney Rugby Club, and it's four dollar schooners of uh, Vale Ale uh, down there and ten dollar jugs, so you cannot go wrong. It's also Craft Beer Week here, so there's a big craft beer thing going on over in the Rocks. So, geez, you could start at midday. Um, fill your boots, wander into the rugby club, um, and remember very little of the game by, by Sunday morning. That could be the best way to go. could be I think. a very solid plan. <laughs> yeah. All right, mate. Look, have a good weekend. And, um, and everybody, thanks for downloading and listening. Uh, we hope to be back in the swing of things um, as of next week and uh, give you your reg- regular fix of podcast. But um, otherwise, thanks a lot and see you later.
1: Thanks, mate. Cheers. <laughs>
0: Yeah, right there, right there.